0: When Arsenal knocks on the door of players, it's a different knock than other clubs. Claps, 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 The Different Knock, an Arsenal podcast. You've chosen to sign this new contract here at Arsenal, but what made you so sure that this was the best place and this was the right decision for you? It's Arsenal, you know. Come on, it's Arsenal. Welcome back to. No, I don't fancy William Saliba. I'm just saying, look, he's look, he's an attractive man. I'm not saying that at all. I'm just he, he's just very he's very good at football. He's a very tall, you know, handsome Frenchman. Okay, look, he's he Okay, he's quite attractive. I'm not, I'm not an Arsenal podcast with Alexander Moneypenny and my very good friend. Bradley Adams. Hello, mate. Hello, Arsenal 2, Crystal Palace Nil at Selhurst Park on the opening day of the Premier League 2022 2023 season. It was a lot better than last time, Brad. Everybody, everybody unclench yes our shrinkers <laughs> can can relax we may relax <laughs> oh my god yesterday was a fucking
1: i was so nervous the whole day yeah it was uh it was a rough one um how can a football club affect my mood so much it's it's fucking crazy i was at work balling up though literally by myself for like three hours normally i'd like watch youtube videos or listen to something i i was basically just i like stood there I just I was like, what the fuck is going to, I was I've, like, I think that was more nervy than, than any game last season because uh, somebody made a really good point in the, 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 the first game and the opener for any team, especially a team like Arsenal currently, um, who are a bit kind of in the mix. There are people that are kind of massively underrating where we are and there are a few people that are slightly overrating where we are. It, it, the first game, especially with it being the opener, massively leads casual fan opinion. And so it was so important to grab a win last night. And oh, I'm so buzzing that we did. And the, the stroppy little shit, Wilf Zaha, got absolutely nothing from his histrionics and theatrics again. Yeah, the...
0: Uh... Yeah, I think Ben White's entire career is going to be based off that Brentford game just because people were watching it and they heard Jamie and Gary talk about it after. Yeah, just, I've never quite rated Ben White. Have you ever had
1: an opinion other than that? Have you even watched yeah. his games? No. Um, it's like also when they, also when they it's at the start of the game, when uh, when Saliba got announced and they said, oh yeah, Saliba's pushed £50 million Ben White out of right back <sighs> as if we haven't, we haven't got an injured right back. And Ben White is better at right back than Cedric. The narratives are fucking crazy, man. It's It, it, it is funny actually. I was in a. Um.
0: Oh, by the way, just to clarify, Brad works at a pizza shop. Balling up dough was not a uh, euphemism. Um, no, much <laughs> as he does. I wish bank. Let's say that. Um. Yeah. Uh. I was. I was in a space pre-game with this guy. Uh. From. Um. Palace. And it's interesting because my my default on other teams is to say look. Like the big teams, like United, Liverpool, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera, I have a bit of like opinion because I have fan, like people I know who are fans, um, who are my mates and stuff, and I, I feel like I watch more of their games. Clubs like Palace, Brighton, blah blah blah. I would never speak on with authority. Like I don't. I I have a vague idea what's going on, mm. but I'd, I would never be like, oh yeah, Nathaniel Klein, he's having a tough sit. Like, I don't know. And there is a real like. I was I was watching um, the build up to Sky, so the Sky coverage. And I was like, "Why are there no Arsenal experts on this?" And like the 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 narrative during the game about you know, oh, you you hear Ars- um, Aaron Ramsdale's dad being nervous uh, in the game whenever his son's on the ball. That stuff is really really powerful because that's not what he's nervous about. He's just nervous also, about the game. Yeah, it's also he's, just but, not but true. basically. <laughs> and then Ramsdale makes a mistake. It's not true. And then Ramsdale makes a mistake. And then Jamie goes, oh, it's his dad. And that throughout the whole season for casuals will be, oh, Ramsdale's, mm, I'm not sure about him on the ball. Because when people are asked for their opinion, they think of something they can say and go, oh, um, yeah, Ramsdale, oh, on the ball, not quite convinced. And I'm just, oh, it's just so annoying because it's just not true. I know we're nerds
1: and care about Arsenal so much and whatever, but it that, that casual opinion really matters. It's important to strike a balance for one. And uh, I, I, I think you've mentioned it before, I've mentioned it, that we do need to improve the level of punditry, not to the level of, say, like tennis, because tennis is a bit too technical. But just a bit more. And one thing, like you say, that will help that, I can't remember how many times we brought it up last season, are having Arsenal experts as, as part of the punditry team and having Palace experts as part of the punditry team. Yeah. What, listen... We might find Gary Neville, uh, and if you do find Gary Neville funny, may God pray for your sense of humour. Um, and Jamie Carragher, a little bit amusing. But what what are we actually, we're, we're not gaining any insights into the game. Neither of them have had any real successful forays into into management or coaching that have meant that they understand the game in a deeper, more technical way than, than how it was when they played it in the 90s and early 2000s. Why are we listening to an Everton fan and Liverpool player and a Man United player talk about two teams that neither are affiliated with, neither have obviously spent any large amount of time watching because all of their comments are just steeped in narrative. And it's just so boring. I start I start turning... I, what, what I used to do was I would turn off the Sky coverage or i turn off their commentary and I'd have an Arsenal pundit on YouTube. Like yeah. it used to be when Hugh Wizzy did watch-alongs for every game. That's why, because at least I, I, at least I know. Even though he's, you know, he's an, he's an emotional dude and, and definitely is prone to, to doing a me and can be a bit overzealous with some things. Um, at least you're having somebody who you know has watched every Arsenal game. You can get an opinion from somebody who's seen every minute of football, and that is one thing that has to change. Commentary teams and, and analysis has to be made up of two people from. Either side of the of the table. Get more pundits. Yeah, and you and you get more detail as well. You'd
0: get way more detail. I, I actually really like Gary and Jamie, I like think I've said before. And by the way, I'm resisting doing an impression of them because I had some, I literally had someone tweet me in going, Can you do more Gary Neville and James Carrigo impressions? No. Um so <laughs> there. Yeah, there Um yeah, I I think it's it's a shame because because ultimately I actually don't blame them because you can't know. About every single team to the depths of detail that 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 you know some fans do. You can't. We're obsessed with Arsenal. <laughs> like, like I, I understand. I I will never know United to the to the depths. I know Arsenal. I will never know Liverpool to the depths. I know Arsenal. And that is fine. But we have to accept that. And and I think the details that get missed off. You know stuff like um. Like I was watching the game with last night. I re- I realized that there's loads of nuance about the last time we were at Palace. he, re- he reminded me that the night before we played Palace last time was um, Piers, by the way. He'll be annoyed that I haven't shouted him out because he listens to the podcast. Hi, Piers. Um, he, Hello, Piers. Uh, uh, he reminded me that Gabriel had... Um, his wife had given birth the night before, last time we were at House Park. Now, that's a tiny bit of detail, whatever. But if you're analysing, for example, the last game and what happened and the back line, etc., cetera, et cetera I think that's an important detail and it's, and it's an interesting bit of detail, you know, just to add
1: some color, add some depth to the analysis. So this a second goal in that game also coming from Gabrielle trying to come out and meet a ball and missing it. Yeah. And and I don't think anyone,
0: any serious pundit would say, you know, Oh, that's why, but I think, but I also think it's, 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 it colors analysis and allows us to get details Mm. and allows us to, to receive information and process it ourselves. So there you go. Um, Right, we'll stop uh, angling for a job on Sky Sports and get on with the game. Word of the game, please. It's the returned. Return of the Meg. Octo, you know what to do.
1: There's been there's been lots of thought, lots of lots of uh, deliberation, lots of deep deep questioning. Just say it. And are you stalling because you don't have one? I can do it no 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 <laughs> i what i came up with is opposite and uh this is completely just because from my point of view i uh last opening game of the season obviously we've got uh we've got a, 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 like a very good parallel and to compare right last game of the season uh i was working at the same pizza shop you know, make I've, done, dough. Make dough. Uh, I've done make a dough. I've done lots of other odd jobs since then uh, and whatever. But I, I was working at the pizza shop. Um, the mood around the club, I remember, wasn't entirely chipper. Uh, Super League stuff had obviously happened. We'd only signed Nuno Tavar. I don't know if we'd uh, no, we'd signed White, um, but we were still waiting on like Ramsdale, Tommy Asu. We, we had I think Lakonga played as well. Um, and the mood was very different. And obviously the result is very different. And obviously we had COVID massively impact our seasons, but I I did pick opposite from a list of about four words because it feels like the polar opposite of that. Arsenal, I think, I, I don't think I've seen us in a better place or more positive as a fan base for well over a decade coming into a new season and as confident coming into a new season we're uh, in the opposite position in the exact same kind of way of we are learning from our mistakes we've got like all of our important transfer business done early and you can see that last night Zinchenko is in there at left back uh, whilst Tierney is still in recovery you know Jesus is up front We've, we've got Saliba back bedded in in time to play in a real significant game and not just play but but dominate and I often like to and I think it's helpful to like compare contrast from from the previous seasons and you look at where we are you know last last year when we played that game against Brentford it's it's chalk and cheese. I think I think they said there was only two players in the lineup tonight that actually played in that game against Brentford, or maybe three players in the starting eleven itself that actually played against that that Brentford team because Saka was on the bench. Um he'd only been back from the Euros for a bit. Just just
0: having a look now, we had Smithrow, Pepe, Balogun, Sambi. Pablo Mari, Callum Chambers and Leno, who who and Tierney who didn't start last night. Martinelli played that night, Xhaka played that night, and Ben White played that night. Other so than it's that, to it's a complete. Th-
1: it's three people. And to see that transition and to see the way that we've handled the last year and how excited we are moving forward, it's a complete opposite of a situation. It's it's a flip and it's it's great. It's just
0: great. Yep. I think the my word of the game is quality. And I think it sort of bounces off that because I think last night, if we don't have Zinchenko, we probably start Tierney. And Tierney may have been just fit, may have been just fit. But the thing is with fitness is it's not, there's not some, you're not, you're not either fit or you're not you are probably, you know, just about okay to start. Then you need to build up some game time. Then you need to you need to slowly sort of get rhythm into your legs, get some minutes into your legs, slowly kind of get back into the 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 space of, you know, going to matches, doing your pre match warm up, you know, sitting on the bench, whatever you're doing, then doing your warm downs, etc. You need to go through those processes a couple of times to feel to feel back into it. As anything, you know, mm-hmm. if you've if you've had some time off work at any period, you, you come back after say, you know, even a month, you go, oh, God, okay, I've forgotten how to do this on the till or, or you know, I've forgotten how to you know, open this thing on the computer, whatever it is, you know, you're going to have some time sort of readjusting. And I think adding the quality, first and foremost, in terms of the squad, absolutely, in terms of how it's shifted the the, the team and the squad makeup is, it has, has benefit, benefited us no end. And I think, you know, I think of all the disasters that didn't happen tonight because of that. Um, I think also... I look around and there's some let's be clear, this wasn't an easy game. This wasn't a run at a walk in the park, and there'll be some people who I think will remember it as ah yeah, it was fine, you know, Palace Away, we, we managed to sort them. There was long periods of this game and significant moments of this game where we were bailed out by individuals. Now look, that doesn't mean that massively. Arsenal rubbish and we're gonna lose you know, we're gonna lose every single game and oh god, we need to buy ten more players individuals are also there to bail you out your goalkeeper should save you a couple of points a season that's absolutely what they're there for obviously you don't want that happening every game but the quality that is there on the pitch now is showing William Saliba with that tackle on Wilfred Zaha in the box Aaron Ramsdale in that 1v1 against Eze the moment where you know even Saka cutting to the byline that's something he couldn't quite do uh, maybe even a season and a half ago, starts to do it last season. You know, so that goal goes in because of that. The um the header across the box from Zinchenko was basically because of a, a quality. Well, the the whole set piece thing was 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 basically because of a really quality set piece coach we added last summer. The um we were managing to keep the ball up the left-hand side because I think Martinelli has added to his game um, this ability to almost do what Saka can do and hold someone off and use his body to keep keep the defender at bay, keep the ball from a long ball from Martinelli or a ball from the centre-back and then play it back into midfield and we keep the ball. All these little quality additions and, and keeping our quality on the pitch means that last night turns into a 2-0 from what absolutely could have been a 2-1 to Palace. Or, or, you know, that that game we didn't dominate. We weren't absolutely, you know, all over it. But there was just enough moments where we had enough quality in a 1v1, in a in a, in a flick around the corner in the midfield, in a, in the moments that I mentioned in terms of the goals. There's just enough quality there that gets you over the line. And this is football. It is small margins. This is what people forget. You go, oh, you know, God, if, if Ramsdale hadn't been there for the one week. Yeah, but he was. If my grandmother, do you know what I mean? It's like, we have put that quality on the pitch. Now it's not about ignoring our our deficiencies, absolutely not. And Mikel said after the game, "Look, there's things that we need to improve." I and mean, he always says that. But you know, it's not about ignoring the, ignoring the deficiencies. It's about going. Look, we've added quality, which means we it gets us over more lines in more games. And now, how do we add structure and, uh, and systemic quality uh, and get those players playing together and get them playing well? to make this a sustainable system and, and to mean we get over the line in even more games perhaps where, where the individuals themselves aren't, aren't on their top of their game so quality for me is 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 just where it is and I think that probably leads us on straight to man of the match uh, William Saliba first ranked for clearances first ranked for possession one second ranked for successful long passes uh, for Arsenal I think obviously someone like Wackham Anderson would have would have um, done that uh 62 touches, 93.9% passing accuracy, three ground jewels one, seven clearances, one block, five long balls, one dribble, but you know, numbers,
1: numbers, 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 all look good. But it's his aura. I saw this on Twitter. He plays football like he knows he's the best player on the pitch. And it's so good to watch. It's he just has a, a magnetism that I, I I haven't seen from, from White or Gabrielle. And I I I tweeted it last night. It, he will be Arsenal's number one centre back by the end of the season. He will be first in the pecking order. He's the o the only thing he has to do is get a teeny little bit better in the air. And the, I mean, the dude's six foot four. He's a monster. Um, it's it's unbelievable uh, to have him back. And what a performance! And that Stillman said it best last night. That slide tackle from him is so perfect that zaha does his best to try and make it look like a foul but there's nothing he can do because it's so good yeah his his technique is it's incredible his technique is incredible
0: he he is so his positional awareness on the recovery it's not just how well he recovers something i i didn't i think i talked about last podcast or recently um at some point i said about the way almost, and I'm gonna I'm gonna keep using this um, comparison, but I don't mind it. The Van Dyke type recovery, where he looks like he's running at half the pace of the of the attacker, but is somehow managing to keep up with them. He has just these long strides that are imperious. But it's not only the 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 ability to recover and that sort of aura which he recovers with mm. it's his positioning on the recovery if you look at the way he runs it's it's not too far out it's not too close too narrow it's not too not too wide he pushes the attacker he delays the attacker and this is this is a um, something I was I watched a YouTube video about defending and one of the key principles when you're coaching a defense is about delay and the idea that you're basically when you have someone on your side if you're not if you're not jumping in on them, if you don't think that's the right thing to do, you have to delay them, stop their actions, slow their actions down. And Saliba, because of his size, because of his positioning, because of his awareness, he is able to delay every single attacker that comes near him and stop them creating any kind of action. And I think that's something that we we've not missed because our other defenders do do that, but they don't have the the aura, the the presence, the experience—not uh, even the experience—he doesn't have experience, but the just the physical capacity. To do that, and actually, Mikkel um, again spoke about that in his post-match with Jamie and, and J- Jamie and Gary, as if I know them. Um,
1: this is how it sounded. No, um, he. Uh, now we're going to have a verbatim monologued <laughs> performance with all three members. Guys, like me, by please
0: like me, like me. Um, but uh, yeah, he spoke about it after it, and he. What's interesting is I never really hear Mikkel talk about someone's physical capacity, which he did with Saliba. He said he is. His when you have that physical capacity, that is such an advantage, especially in this league. And I can't remember many players. He's typically, and he said his height and his size. He literally said his height and his size. I don't remember many players. And you know we haven't had many six foot four, four centre backs. He's fine, a, but
1: and he's also a big six foot four.
0: He's like, a tall six foot four.
1: Look at look at those shoulders. He's yeah. he's a broad, handsome man.
0: I mean, no he's not
1: handsome I, I
0: don't care I don't fancy him <laughs> can I just say I'll tell you this a large proportion of our fan base I think have a crush on Saliba 100% you know, sort of fair enough but yeah you know picking out someone's size and height is something that I haven't heard Mikel say before and that's interesting to me because it's you know as you say, I I can't see him coming out of our team anytime soon. So, and that's a great thing because if you look yep. across those two two positions, the right centre back and the and the right back, if we've got Saliba, Tomiyasu and White in those positions, I mean, I mean, consider where we
1: were, you know, two years ago, fucking Cedric and Cedric's still going to start five Premier League games this season. It's going to happen. We need to accept that. But um, of course he is he is inevitable. The man is Thanos. Um, I, I uh... Do you see? Sorry, sorry. Did you see? Inketia said
0: that he thinks Cedric's gonna be a coach because he already gives advice. Just imagine, I'll oh, just imagine like Saka getting advice off Cedric and be like, "Yeah, all right, mate."
1: <laughs> Fuck
0: it you up. Know. Imagine getting defending advice off Cedric. You'd be like, y- you know, you are comfortably the worst
1: defender in this team. <laughs>
0: Fuck me.
1: I think uh, we need to give a, a, also a shout out to Benjamin White. Um, there was a lot of shit going on Twitter from just absolute bums who claim to know a lot about football but and speak a lot about football, but obviously don't know a lot. Because if you look at what he did, look at what Wilfred Zaha did last night. Nothing. Wilfred Zaha did nothing he had um uh, expected dives completed 7 expected step overs done 24 every expected other, appeals to the bench looking frustrated 47 like what like there was nothing else he did i think he did an excellent job at keeping him out on the touchline a lot of the time and with a yellow card for for kind of 30 40 minutes of the game um I I don't think he put much of a foot wrong. There was a couple of times where maybe he shouldn't have gotten so tight and got a bit turned, but I th- I think he did a, it did a did an excellent job for me there tonight. And that it's it's fantastic to have that option. And I just wish more people understood football and when they talk about it, because it was a great. The boy did great against one of the best and quickest one v one players in the league. That's literally all Zaha is. It, it, like he's a one v one dribbler and diver. Like, yeah.
0: Well, I actually think uh, Zaha would be good central. By the way, um, yeah, uh, yeah. I, I think I think White did well. I th- um, there's a moment in the All or Nothing documentary, which we'll discuss in News and Views, uh, where Mikel's doing his classic sitting on a ball talking to a player, and he says something along the lines of there's an aggression to you that I have i didn't spot before, which I find interesting because that's a strange way of phrasing it considering when it was, which would have been about November, October last year, when it was... Um, well, no, it actually, probably even before that. Um, and uh, that indicates that the scouting, that's not quite picked up in scouting. And I see that. I think especially in away games, he can get dragged out wide and he can be a little bit rash. And um, actually, I, uh, I was... Uh, researching it for an article, and I got a free trial of Y Scout. <laughs> what a nerd! And I went on his defending jewels, and you see it a lot. You see, once you look for it, you 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 see it a lot. Um, but I think when he's playing right back, he can do that thing where he inverts. He can do that thing where he sort of doesn't have to be the all out defender in that position as a centre back and you know the last the last moment he can he can do that thing I was talking about earlier he can delay he can take someone to the byline he can be a little bit more um he can step in a little bit more knowing Saliba's behind him. So I think you know it kind of takes away that fuck I'm the last guy uh thing which I feel I do feel off Ben White sometimes. Um I wonder whether he 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 becomes our long term right back. I mean who knows? You know Asu... It's only not not long term, but you know certainly for the foreseeable. Let's not do long term. You can never do that in football. But you know, Tommy Asu as a centre back and right back cover is is no is no bad thing at all. So um, you know, and if Tommy Asu's got fitness issues, it may well be that way anyway. Um, I want to come to Jesus' movement. I don't think so. I, I when when you when you watch players. I always think it's interesting to try and define why they make you feel something. And for the first 20 minutes of the game, I was just going, oh, oh my God, I love him. Because he's just so, I think Jamie Carragher said it after the game. He's like, it's like watching a Man City player in an Arsenal team, <laughs> which is, it, it, uh, it is, he is, he literally is. Um, and I was watching the game, watching the game and going, what is it? What is it? It's his movement. It is his... That is his superpower. It's his movement. And if you watch Jesus' involvement, there'll be comps going around everywhere all over the internet. Watch Jesus' involvement in this game. It's his movement. It's how he gets around players. It's how he holds onto the ball. It's how he drags opposition in and beats them. It's how he flicks around the corner and gets in behind them. It's how he shimmies and body steps. Every single good bit of involvement from jesus and a lot of actually arsenal's good attacking play comes simply from the way he moves his body and that's it and 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 it sounds really simple but actually it is the most complicated and possibly difficult to coach an instinctive thing that he has Mm. about his game i think jesus when he's like 30 or 32 will have a quite a bit of a drop off. Because I think it once you lose that those sort of that ability to spring, I'm not saying, you know, who knows, you know, some people don't lose it till till whenever. But once he loses that ability to spring, he's gonna have to find a different way. Um and he may we- be able to because of how smart his movement is, but it the big thing at the moment is the way he's able to 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 change direction quickly, to get round a corner, to to wiggle in and out. And it facilitates so much for us. I mean, I was I was just watching the um the, the Martinelli chance back and it's an absolutely nothing moment where Palace have the ball I, th- I think it's Tiric Mitchell Zaha you'll like this Zaha gives it away and Jesus is so quickly onto it he th- he like turns his body so quickly he manages to get in front of I think it's Schlupp has no right to win the ball but the way he backs himself into Schlupp he takes the ball off him wins it runs forward does a little dance, I think he nutmegs check, Kio- uh Check Chiyote? No, not Checkyote. Um Check Cuyate, sorry. Uh nutmegs Check uh Kiyote. Does a little uh I don't think the-
1: Kiarte plays for them anymore. I think it's Decure.
0: De- De oh from oh from Watford, yeah.
1: No, uh, no, De- no, 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 no. It's a new DeCure from Lons. They've signed a a a, a new central midfielder oh, right. called De Kure from Lons.
0: I'm getting my decourays and checks mixed up. Um And he he plays the ball out to Martinelli and uh, Martinelli should score. And it's kind of the perfect summation of just, he has no right to win the ball. He has no right to beat his man. He has no right to, it's just like one of those things where you go right, left and beat a player. I don't know what they're called in football. (laughs) Um, And we get a chance out of it. And you don't, that does not happen without Jesus. And it sounds obvious, but you know we have not had that. And that new dynamic and that new, dimension to our game literally will add 10 to 15 points to our season
1: mate he's he's unbelievable you only have to look at the fact that he put it on a plate for Erdegaard twice put it on a plate for for Martinelli that chance you know this game is very very different if we take those first few early chances you know we it was we we I think we run out of steam a bit We came out like a bullet out of a gun and gradually, like the bullet would, uh, slowed down. I think we regressed a little into older, uh, more nervy patterns. I think we're all still a bit um, jaded, maybe, is the right word from the end of last season and the capitulation there. I think that's going to play on these players' minds a little, but that's the beauty of being able to bring in people who aren't part of those experiences mm. is that they have a fresh a fresh mind and a fresh body that that uh, on it, honestly people might underrate that performance by jesus uh, casuals because they'll see on the on their fpl that uh, no goals or assists like something, I think he got like six out of six dribbles completed. Yada yada yada. For,
0: you got it in for the Casuals today, Brad.
1: I do, I do. But as in, like, it's it's important to note that, like, on another day, the dude's coming away with with two or three assists and probably a goal. And there's one moment that that sticks out for me, and it's I think it's against Gahey that the ball goes long, and he's he's chasing after it, and he has no right yeah, to get yeah, round Gahey. Yeah. And he sits him on his fucking ass, and it's, mate. I, we, I've been begging for a striker that could just jog a little, let alone do things like that. You know, this is a, a massive upgrade and a new dimension to this team, and it's it's. He's just exciting to watch every time he gets near the ball. You don't know what's yep. coming, and that's yep. that's the beauty of it.
0: Yeah, just watching that moment with Gehi now. There's some. Um... Yeah, the ball goes long from Ben White. It's gone in behind. It's 2v1. I just I don't think Gehi knows what to do. Joseph goes on his right, goes on his left, goes on his right again, and then finally gets it round on his left. He sort of flicks his leg round and gets the ball out from under Gehi's feet, and then he's away. And then we get a chance. And actually it's kind of a a good um probably a good moment to stop on with with Erdegaard because Erdegaard should shoot straight away. I think I think I saw a clip of Mikel angry after that and I think he was sort of angry at Martin it was maybe it was like a replay of when Erdegaard did that and he was sort of chastising him because it's something he's spoken about before as well it's that Martin needs to shoot in those situations he needs to be more clinical and ruthless in those situations and I completely agree I thought Erdegaard had a relatively poor game yeah Um he we'll talk about the structure in a second but I, I felt as though he chose the wrong pass a few times Um he should have shot in that situation He it felt a little bit his pressing game was off, but this is the thing. So I, I felt, you know, the first 15, 20 minutes, we were unbelievable, as you said, and we kind of came out of the blocks firing and Jesus' movement was all over it. The The rest of the game after the goal, I found a little bit weird because at times we were playing a high line with no with no high press, which is fine, but all that meant is where they were just knocking it over the top.
1: And, and the that's ball. the game plan they love because Joaquin Anderson literally... Uh, had the most completed long balls in the Premier League last season. Like that, if you like, like we talk about superpowers a lot, that is his superpower. And with wingers like Zaha, you got Eze in there.
0: Yeah, it, it, could, it could have backfired. It it didn't on the night. So I wonder whether that was part of the plan. I don't know. But basically, I, I was just sat there sort of for about 40, 50 minutes of that game. Sort of from the end of the... Um, first after sort of near the end of the second, going, what are we trying to do? Mm-hmm. We were sort of sat high, but not trying to progress it through the thirds. Ramsdale was always kicking it long. We <coughs> we weren't high pressing. We weren't trying to combine it through the midfield. It felt like we were trying to win some second balls and sort of matching Palace up in the in in the long balls. There wasn't much intensity. Then we started to sit back and try and control the ball a bit a little bit more, and that's I think when we got the second goal um when we sat back a little bit more and decided to to try and combine and um, and um move it through the thirds a little bit more than we had been doing for the rest of the game. But I don't really know what the point of that because, you know, for me it was a very nervy one nil mm. at times. You know, I, I I never felt like they were gonna get, you know, they were gonna score three or four and, you know, they'd be out of sight. But I thought, oh, there's definitely a goal in this for them. There's a hundred percent of scrappy, you know, Andre, are you tap in from a knockdown ball? Yeah, it's it's, you know some kind of second ball situation, and we'll really regret this sort of period of not wanting to be too aggressive. And and I I, honestly, I can't, I couldn't tell you why. I don't know why.
1: I think there's a certain amount of nervousness that comes from it. You know, we have to remember this is Friday night under the lights, first game of the Premier League season, Um, and a lot of these players even with the years worth of experience that they've had last year are still unbelievably young. One thing I think that before I know we'll talk about it in news and views, but that the all or nothing is really starting to do is give you a real insight into the players, them and, and, and uh, as people and as human beings more than anything. And I just think as, uh, as a human myself, because I, yes, I am humane. <laughs> really Brad? Um, sorry 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 um you can you can understand empathize and sympathize with the fact that that is going to be a nerve-wracking and like stressful experience for some of them jesus is going to probably be a little bit nervous in some ways because you know this is the first time he's had to be the main man the billy big bollocks and that comes with a new kind of pressure to perform Uh, Zinchenko as well, new system starting, only played two games, maybe, what, a week, two weeks of training? Mm. That's going to be a bit nervy. Saliba's probably going to be a little bit nervous for his debut, even though he looks completely unrued by it. But White, Gabriel, Ramsdale, all of the regular suspects will be nervous because of what happened last season. And moving forward, we don't don't want a repeat of, of what happened last season. Because that Brentford game, in, in the end of it, cost us deeply come the end of the season. And I, and I know that we had our own issues with COVID, which I think, you know, in the hindsight, the game should, have, of course, have been postponed. But Sky, were never going to do that. Um, it's, I think that may be why. I think it was a bit of a, I, I saw a bit of a tentative Arsenal team yesterday. One that was a bit too scared to try something. Like, Erdegaard sometimes tries these really technically difficult, like, beautiful, flashy balls. And I didn't see a lot of that last night because I think it was a thing of, I can't give the ball away, so I'm just going to make the short pass. I can't give the... Like, there's also a moment from Xhaka where he doesn't slip Jesus through, who makes a great run. And I think it's that risk factor. I don't think we're 100% there with... Taking the risks yet. And I think a win today, uh, a win against Bournemouth and a win against Leicester will give us that confidence to really start to breed into that risk taking, lethal machine. I see what you mean about the sensitiveness.
0: I, I, I can't see this team ignoring Arteta's instructions, though. And I felt like the instructions were not to hold on the ball. And I'm looking at the numbers now. Um, we had less possession. We completed less passes. We had less of the field and the field tilt. We had less final third entries. Um, we had less zone fourteen touches. This is it. We had less successful dribbles. You know, this was a, a, a lot more clearances. This is a, and we pressed less. So there was a kind of, to me, there was a in terms of our PPDA was 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 higher. Presses per defensive action, i.e., how many passes before we did a defensive action. So it was higher, and therefore we press less. The it it felt to me like an instruction, like a let them have it. Which I that uh, and may, uh, maybe some people read that as nerves. I don't personally because I didn't see the energy from the team trying to get the ball back. I felt as though we were happy to let them have it and happy to let them go long. That's all I'll say. I I, I I couldn't tell you whether I whether it was... A, obviously, I'm not in the dressing room. I can't tell you if it was a um, an instruction or not, but that was interesting to me. I wonder whether they felt that they couldn't play through the thirds and we had enough of a high line that we'd be able to shepherd them out and we could just hold on to the ball and play the game through like that. Would I like Arsenal to play like that normally? No, but I wonder... Maybe it was a, a, a kind of... Um, what's the word? A sort of safety mechanism thing. Um, mm. But yeah, I mean we'll see we should we should let's go to part two um, we've got some more questions on the game and uh, we'll come back after this.
1: News and
0: views. Welcome back to News and Views, where we give you all the news and all your views, but mostly ours.
1: Thank you to those of you who support us on Patreon. On patreon.com slash diffnock, you get access to ad-free versions of the post-game, preview, and TDK short podcasts for just £3 a month. But the most important part is you're supporting the podcast, YouTube, and more for the price of less than a coffee a month. And helping us grow, it really would mean the world. Speaking of coffee, for one time support, head to buy me a slash diffnok where you can
0: buy me a coffee.
1: The links are in the show description.
0: Very good. And for those of you who like ASMR, I hope you enjoyed that. Cal Thomas says just speak about Willow for an hour, nothing else. I used to have a cat called Willow. So we could speak about my cat Willow for now, if you want. Any thoughts on my cat Willow?
1: I fucking hate cats.
0: Okay. Cristiano <laughs> Skywalker. <laughs> Cristiano uh, Skywalker. What a name! And then his his at is at Dirty Harry. So, yeah, he's he's asked a lot of questions. So I'm going to try. <laughs> Why press wasn't. Why. Our press wasn't at high intensity for longer than 20 minutes and why some of our players were playing long balls and trying to be too direct and rushed, costing us possession. Surely Arteta has instructed us to try and control possession. Yeah, I I have to say the instruction part compared to the players were nervous part, I think is the big sticking point for me. I, I felt as though we lost control of the game but it, <laughs> this sounds mental, but it felt like we were instructed to give them the ball and let them have it, which is, like, it. Di- I didn't I didn't see loads of kind of mistakes and, you know, the balls bouncing off people. I just felt like we were kicking it long, which maybe is nerves, but I also, I don't think it would happen for 40 minutes over a half time as well. I don't think it would stay that way for that long and I think we would have made subs earlier if Arteta if, if wanted control of the game. So, that's why it's confused me personally.
1: I uh, I mean, All of this is is, is speculation. Um, Maybe uh, uh, we saw it working, you know, for the last 20 minutes of that first half. And Arteta thought, okay, well, let's make this the game plan for the second half. Because it was working. We were dealing with them quite aptly. Of course, they got a couple of chances, but we had a few chances of our own. And the wonderful thing about having Jesus, Martinelli, and Saka as a front line is they're absolutely electric. So you can catch any team on the counter. You can absolutely cook them with that speed.
0: Mm-hmm. Question from at RF Prods. One, is Saliba the sexiest man alive? Yes. Question from Passing Jackwoods at Evad's Tiff. Still don't know how to pronounce that, mate. And finally, he said, will we ever see Tierney, Tomiyasu and Smith-Rowe, and Fabio Vieira on the same pitch
1: together. No, because they're all they're all Tommy Asso is a figment of your imagination. He doesn't exist. He's a fever dream.
0: <laughs> Do you remember when we had that sort of guy from Bologna? Do you remember he signed there was a guy on deadline day that we signed in 2021. Uh Tommy Tom something. He was a right back. He played like four games for us. And now I think he works in the medical department. It was a it was a joyous time. Yeah, i I it's a, it's a strange one. Let's let's break them down into, into individual cases. Vieira I wouldn't be too worried about. I think he just I think he just had a situation that came up and it has meant he's not played much. And I don't think he would have played last night anyway. He might have come on, but I don't think he would have played much, and apparently he's close, so fine. Tierney back. How long that is, <laughs> we will never know. Um, Tomiyasu. no Emil Smith Rowe, uh, came back very early from his pre season. C- uh, concerning most concerning one to me is Asu because when he was out, when when was he first out? It was like he he was out before that Liverpool game in the Carabao Cup. Then he came back. Then he was injured again. Then we didn't have him towards the end of the season, and then he then we did and he went off in the Spurs game and that he was potentially going to be back before the end of the season. He wasn't and it's the 6th of August and he's still not here. And there doesn't appear to be much clarity on his situation. I found in general when Arteta, Arteta doesn't like setting timelines. I think in general, Mikhe, um, Arsene tended to set more time. He'd say, you know, probably by, you know, two weeks or 10 days or whatever it was, he, he would tend to set timelines but Mikel doesn't really like to do that, I don't think. And for Tommy it's kind of gone even further than that. Into he just will be like he's you know he he's out. He just won't give any he won't give anything you know with with Tierney, he won't give timelines but he'll say yeah Tierney's going to be back in full time training at some point soon you know da, 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 da. He'll, he'll be at least a little bit more instructive. with Tomiyasu, it's just it feels like there's never any real concrete update. Um, that I've seen I could be wrong, but
1: I ain't gone locally, mate. I that man that he, he doesn't exist. He never happened. Tommy Asu is the friends we made along the way. That that is what Tommy Asu is. That's all Tommy Asu is. Oh God. Um. Let's do
0: this. <laughs> You've lost it. All or nothing.
1: Episodes one to three. Um. I've still not watched. Them? Yeah, I've watched one and two and about two-thirds, three-quarters of three, uh, but I had to stop yesterday and I'll finish it today. Very exciting. It's interesting. It is very interesting. I, I I, have to say I was
0: hoping for a bit more what feels like a less quaffered insight into Arsenal, that has to be said, I, but I do think there's a lot that we can, we can take from it. Mm-hmm. I think the framing of Josh and the Cronkies is interesting. He's come in at the very beginning, been very assuring as the sunlight bathes on his glorious supervillain beard and been very sort of you know hey hey man everything's gonna be cool you got this dude which i can't imagine is how he's like all the time so it's an interesting framing of him not saying it's didn't happen or not true but i do think it's it's interesting how he's um how they've they've painted themselves i imagine they'll come back in at the very end and say Hey hey guys, look what we achieved, and then we're gonna invest in this big summer. And then everyone goes, Oh yeah, and they did. Oh, they're great guys. I do think this is a slight PR thing for them, which is fine, and I get it, it's literally it's a it's a documentary, and they're controlling it. It makes makes so much sense. Um Carlos Cuesta, I thought comes across very well in this. Mm. Um there's a moment where he's chatting with um Saka. There's one in the second episode, or maybe third episode with Nuno Um, very personable, very charismatic, speaks a number of languages, seems very, very impressive, speaks really, really well. Um I, I think that's the sort of insight I'm interested in because we we just don't hear from these guys. You know, when Questa joined, I remember doing a, a piece on him about you know how he'd Sent letters to Jose Mourinho and, you know, he was clearly someone who was, who was very, um, sort of, uh, forthright and confident and wanting to learn and wanting to, to, to make his, make his name in football, which is, which is amazing. And he, he gives me a kind of Mikel's, you know, if, if, if what Mikel is to Pep, Carlos Cuesta is to Mikel, that sort of, um, quite intense, um, sort of, uh, very, very interested football brain. Um, but yeah, I, I, in general, it's not, it's more just narrative. It's just Arsenal went to this game. They were needing three points. They didn't get it. Uh, Sad okay, a couple music, of moments. Yeah. Like, yeah, you know, okay, the Ramsdale moments are interesting, interesting to hear from his family. Couple of interesting points. I thought the um narrative is quite interesting how, they've, how they frame that as well. Mikel comes across quite well in general. But other than that, I wasn't blown away.
1: There's only one uh, moment that uh, really grabbed my attention and that I thought was really interesting. I've always noted you about this. And it's a conversation post the Man City game between Josh and Mikel. And this could just be my read on it, my take on it, and it could be completely wrong. But that conversation, the end of it, after, you know, he basically says, you know, we're going to stick together and do this. There seems to be a real big sigh of relief from Mick. Like there's a, there's a real change in, in the dynamic of that conversation after that moment. And that reads as the moment that Mikel Arteta is either getting sacked or getting backed. Um, and that is something we've never seen before obviously just, and I, I, I don't mean it's interesting as like, oh, it gives us so many new dimensions into the interpersonal relationships of the team behind the scenes. It's just a really interesting moment to see as a football fan, to see that mm. type of conversation happen where a manager gets the confirmation that he's got the, the backing to stay in charge and that they believe in what he's doing and they believe in the process. And, um, you know, after that, Mikel goes on to give a great speech pre Norwich. We, batter Norwich on xg uh score one goal and then go on a 10 game unbeaten run so as much as these are all soft factors and things that could have not had a major impact anyway that's the timeline of things that happened before that big moment um so I found that kind of almost interesting as a as a nexus point that there's definitely another timeline where that that conversation goes differently. Mikel is sacked and we're somewhere else.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I, I and I I think I think we might have said this on the preview, but you know, the this the of the sorry, the the, the season preview podcast. Players are different from us. They respond to different things than let's call us normies. That you know, they 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 you know, the sort of the heart and brain stuff I think is I think is very Brent and very hilarious, but players don't, you know, they, they, they respond to that kind of stuff. And there's definitely a sort of touch of quite sort of handbooky, you know, here's how you um, inspire a group of players stuff. I I absolutely get that. But the the, the difference is the conviction because there's a difference between a, a manager coming in and going, okay, here's what I say to G up my players. But for example, when he came in after Everton, he said I, something along the lines of, you know, I just don't want to say anything I'm going to regret, but this response, this anger right now that you're feeling is too late. And that to me is the perfect thing to say in that situation, because I, I felt that as well. You know, Ramsdale coming in and throwing his gloves on the floor and all the players being dejected. And it's like, OK, well, where was the response on the pitch? You know, like, you know, that if you're angry now, where was it? Um and, you know, you've got to have the structure, you've got to have the technical quality, you've got to have et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But ultimately, if you're quicker in your actions, if you're more decisive, if you want it more, as much as it's quite pureless, it's going to make a difference on the pitch. So, um, yeah, I, I found in general Mikel came across really, really well. I absolutely understand the slight sort of David Brent um, comparisons. I absolutely understand um yeah the sort of slightly uh interesting methods but but also supposedly he had a conversation with um I don't I can't remember his name but basically the guy who runs one of the Cronkies NFL franchises can't remember his name Mikel had a conversation with him about training methods and he's another young coach if you look at across the Cronkies sports projects there's a there's a kind of trend of young players young coaches and new innovative things actually having success um Quite quite significant success, and I think this NFL coach is, has won. Someone who knows NFL is gonna is gonna crucify me if I try this. The NFL championship or something. <laughs> I don't know what it is. The Super Bowl. Um, oh right, okay. I don't. I don't even think it's the Super Bowl. Was it the Super Bowl? It Maybe it was, it was. I can't the remember. Super I don't Bowl, know. The Rams All care. Well, I, I know now. I I know, but I don't care. Um and uh. Yeah, I, I, I he had a conversation with him and basically talked about training methods, and I think that's where a lot of these things have come from, um, like the the Liverpool um, idea of the the speakers on the pitch was supposedly his 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 idea. So look, there are interesting things to glean from it. I just wish that the the way it was set up was more honest in terms of you know we know what the game what the games were like. So, you know, the people watching this aren't aren't unaware of what happened in the games. They know what happened in the games. We need to address them and we need to see them. But, for example, basically the whole second episode was the North London derby. And it's interesting to see what's around it. Look, the Stuart McFarlane moment was great, et cetera, et cetera. But there's so many just, like, shots of them on the team bus and shots of them going out to the pitch and shots of them walking around and shots of them nervous before the game and it's like, yeah, okay, like I know this would sort have of happened. We've seen this all on the tunnel camp. That's fine. We want to see insight, what the players like with each other, who gets on with who, what's the you know, the all the conversations around the 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 table, you know, the one with, with Saka Sacco, he talks about Thought Park. That's the stuff that I think is really funny, because you see the dynamics, you see the the interesting mm. stuff, you want to see how we differ from different teams, what's changed from before, what's changing now. So yeah, look. It, 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 as I keep saying, it's interesting. It's just not quite the insight that I wanted. I think. Um, I but wish maybe it, it, maybe as it goes on, we'll we'll see more.
1: It does seem to be rose-tinted, which is a shame. That's the one thing that I I didn't want for it to be. I just wanted it to be uh, a very open, honest appraisal of of things that were happening. And I don't. I, I the one thing I don't look forward to is the way that they're going to portray the collapse at the end of the the season from these first few episodes. Cause I feel like it's going to be a very small moment that completely in, in this series that defined our entire season, you know? So,
0: yeah, it's, it's that difficult thing of knowing that it's, it's the, you know, the club's club's work, isn't it? You, you know, that the club have decided what's going to go out and you know what the club are not going to want it to, to, to appear as bodily as it, <laughs> you know, immortalized forever on Amazon Prime. Uh, but you also want to address the reality. And I, I I hope they kind of strike a balance with that. And um, yeah, we'll see. We'll see. There's, there's six more episodes to go. I'm not expecting absolute fireworks. I'm expecting almost a review of the season with a bit of insight every so often. That, that's what I think it, it basically comes out as. Um, but yeah, we'll see. A couple of transfer bits then. Leno has gone to Fulham on an absolute accountant FC deal. <laughs> Honking, deal. Ugh. I'm writing an article on um, say play player's sales at the moment. There's a lot of conversation around it that I think is interesting. The one thing I'll say though is we're frustrated at these fees. I absolutely get that. But I... Listen to this list of where every player has gone since the beginning of the 2021 season. So the Arteta's first full season. So this is Arsenal players who have departed either permanently or on loan since the beginning of the 2020-2021 season, Arteta's first full season. Marseille, Fulham, Stuttgart, Lyon, Birmingham, Newcastle, Fiorentina, Roma, Villa... A.S. Trencin, Barcelona, Corinthians, Real Betis, O.H. Leuven, Feyenoord, Udinese, Ertha, Schalke, Abernian, Olympiakos, Fenerbahce, Nice, West Brom, Atletico, and Shrewsbury. Now, I would say two of those are a step up. Barcelona and Atletico. And one of those was a very specific situation around discipline with the Bamiang, And the other was Torreira not playing on loan. So none of our players are taking huge steps up. So there's a value issue there. And secondarily, when you look at the overall wage differences between the Premier League and abroad, there's something, I think I looked it up in the Bundesliga, the best player who doesn't, the best paid player who doesn't play for one of Bayern Munich or Borussia Dortmund is Wolfsburg Maximilian Arnold, who earns £88,000 a week. Pablo Mari is on eighty five thousand pounds a week. So as much as we want to shift players, I absolutely understand that. As much, when you as, we have shit out, as, much as we want to get them want to get good big fees, wages. like when they're not good players on big wages, and there's nowhere to sell them to, it becomes very very hard. So you know, Torreira out to Galatasaray for whatever it is, seven eight million. Honestly, pretty good deal in this market with his wages. Considering you know, you look at Nicola Pepe. On 140 grand a week, Sevilla, I think he'd be the uh, the clubs that he's mentioned to be potentially going to, like Marseille and Lyon and Sevilla. I think he'd be the second top paid player at Sevilla and definitely the top player player. E- even if he just stayed at the same wages, and obviously he'd probably want an increase. Even if he just stayed at the same wages, he'd be the top paid player at Lyon by quite a way. And I think by almost a double above someone else at Marseille or something on something like those lines. Their transfer records are like 25 million. You know, so it's all very well saying we've got to shift these players. Where? <laughs> like, I'm all ears. What? Yeah, great. Where? Where should we put them? That's the issue. And where's the money? Yeah. So it's, it's, it is it's tough. Look, you know, supposedly Pablo Mari's potentially going to Monza, although I've heard Hellas Verona potentially in for him. Leno gone, Torreira off to Galatasaray. We also got some good loans out. Patino out to Blackpool, which I think is a great loan for him. Championship and a, and a club known for um, a manager, sorry, Michael Appleton, who's good with youth. Uh, Balleghan out on loan to Stade Reims, which I think he's being repl- he's replacing Hugo Ekiti. E-K- yeah, yeah. So that's you know good quality. Um, so some good loans, some good stuff happening. Um, we're start, we're getting there, but I I understand the frustration of sort of you know what's happening. Why why can't we get the likes of Bayer in and. Um, you know Maitland-Niles and Pepe etc etc it feels like they're holding us back and they probably are but then I'd say to you okay absolutely your Edu where do you sell them who, who, you know even if they're not interested even if they're interested how do you sell them let alone clubs not being interested in your player just in the first place so it's a really tricky situation it's really tricky as much as I understand the frustration because it is holding us back in, incoming wise and Arteta said that he wants to do more business so
1: you got shit players on big wages where they're going to fucking go mate. Like
0: pff. we had we had Kalasinac on
1: 100,000 pounds a well, week. It's like it's like Bellerin, isn't it? Like Bellerin is in by no means like shite, but he's on 110,000 pounds a week. It's crazy. No, like he dropped his wage to go on loan to Betis and is willing to take like a hefty pay cut to go there. But Betis don't have the money to pay more than three or four, maybe five million euros or pounds or something as a fee. It's it's crazy. It's fucking crazy. Covid has ravaged this market. You're looking at players like is it alwar that's been linked to Betis for pittance and yeah, you know. And
0: also, and also, when a player says I only want to go to Betis, you drive the you drive the wedge down anyway. So you drive the the fee down anyway. You know people I roll at cancelling contracts if we're saving what well, that'd be £400,000 a month and then well more than £400,000 a month and then it's about 5 million there. a year it's about 5 million a year if it saves us 5 million and we're not going to get a fee cancel the contract look go and look at Arsene Wenger speaking in 2017 he said this is going to happen more and more and more and I understand look Edu needs to get better at selling but you can't do that from the position that we're in he can
1: he, he can get better at selling Martin Erdegaard he can do that yeah <laughs> Things are only ever worth what someone is willing to pay for it, no matter what arbitrary value is on transfer marked and what arbitrary value is here, there, and everywhere. And people say, "Ah, you know, I think, you know, Nico Pepe is a very talented player, peak age winger, who in the right system could do really, really well. And we should probably be able to fetch a fee of 20 to 25 million pounds for him. But if there's nobody willing to pay that and he's on 140K a week, We're not just going to... It's not going to come out of nowhere. Yeah, it is. it doesn't matter.
0: (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Well, Brad, if we just win all our games, we'll win win the league. league. So that's all that matters. Uh, We've just got time. For a little bit of Arsenal trivia. Last time out, Bradley, I asked you a question that was about Arsenal FIFA 22 ultimate team player ratings. And the question was, what is Saka's rating on his gold card? His base gold card. Is it
1: like 81? It's 80. 80? That is offensive. Offensive. (sighs)
0: Uh, The question for this time is about famous Arsenal fans. I never know how to phrase this. The question for next time, and the theme is famous anyway... Name three politicians who are Arsenal fans. Name three UK politicians. I should be specific. Name three UK politicians who are Arsenal fans.
1: And a theme for next time, please, Bradley. The theme for next time is going to be opening day matches. Because why not? Opening day matches. Okay, Bramley.
0: We've done it. First one in the bag. First one of the bag. We're on the way to the title. I think Palace had lost something like No, we had we hadn't we'd won one out of our last eight games with Palace.
1: Yeah, and they they hadn't conceded in six games at Selhurst Park. But the mighty Arsenal rolled mighty into arsenal. town and dispatched them with a 2-0. Mate,
0: how many points were going to win the league by? 20, 24 wrapped up by pff, Feb. Yeah. March, maybe. They'll just
1: cancel the league by then because it would just be sad.
0: Pep will be on his knees. Please, no. No, I I cannot do it. Miguel. Miguel, Miguel, I
1: can't can't think anymore.
0: I looked the other day. You know, Pep doesn't follow... He follows like De Bruyne and David Silva from the Man City squad and Mikel and then a couple of other people. He fucking loves it, man. Who does he follow? He follows 26 people Fernandinho, David Silva, Man City. Picks, pi- pictures of Johan Cruyff, a football talents agency, his his foundation, his summer camp. De Bruyne, Puma, and Mikel. Oh, and Sergio Berra, and Bayern. He fucking loves him. He doesn't follow any other managers. Does he and follow he Messi?
1: Like, nope. Doesn't follow Messi. Follow but Messi. Follows Mikel Arteta.
0: Like, literally, like a golf events. Johan Cruyff Foundation, De Bruyne, Aguero, <laughs> Silva and Fernandinho.
1: <laughs> it
0: hell. Doesn't even follow Vincent Company. It's Vincent Company on Twitter. It doesn't... <sighs> Mental. <laughs> uh, look, a pleasure as always, Bradley. Always, my friend. Thank you very much for listening, everyone. We hope you had an enjoyable Friday night watching the boys We'll be back uh, next week after the Leicester game where we'll win...
1: 74-0. Yeah.
0: In all seriousness, first game at the Emirates of the season against, let's say, a depleted Leicester. I think it could be tasty. Let's say that. Or it could be a disaster and Arsenal will lose and the world will be over because we're the worst team in the world. Mikel's the worst manager in the world. Yeah. and we're all gonna die. Thanks, always for listening. Keep it different, knock, and we will see you later. Peace. Thank you so much for listening to the Different Knock and Arsenal podcast. Please hit subscribe or follow on whatever platform you're using. If you'd like to support the Different Knock, you can find us on Patreon and BuyMeACoffee.com. We're on all social media at Diff Knock. Thanks. Podcast Network.